you want to turn in your Bibles, our scripture today is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After lasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. If you're like me, you would be a person that you would say, I really don't like tests. I don't know how many people love tests here, but I never did very well at testing. I um, would not only get very nervous, but it would always take me much longer than it seemed I would be barely halfway through and other people were turning in their, their tests completed. There's all kinds of tests around. You have driving tests. If you want to get a license, you either have to take a written test or sometimes a driving test. Examinations and tests of all kinds, uh, medical testing, is something that we, we take and we wait for the response. We look for the answer. We're not sure how it's going to come out. I remember uh, different times dreading to see the report. Um, this past week, um, I have my routine every t- twice a year, blood work done, and, and I will be going to see the doctor this week to find out what it said and what I have to do, and what I have to stop eating, and drinking, and uh, all of those kinds of things. Testing is something that is there for all of life. It's something that, that is just, we don't always name it, but it's always there every single day. As the Union Pacific Railroad was being constructed, an elaborate trestle bridge was built across a large canyon in the west. Wanting to test the bridge, the builder loaded a train with enough extra cars and equipment to double its normal payload. The train was then driven to the middle of the bridge where it stayed an entire day. One of the workers that was on the project Asked the builder, he said, are you trying to break this bridge? 
And he said, no, I'm trying to prove that the bridge won't break. Testing it. Verifying that it is tried and true. Being able to give testimony to the accuracy, the validity, the sureness of what is being tested. Uh, there's, it's in so many aspects of life. There was a, a pastor who, Joel uh, Samagase, who uh, had served in the mission field. And, you know, he says that all sorts of things are tested to prove that they're genuine. When you go to the bank, have you ever seen a banker hold a dollar bill up or a $20 bill or any kind of a bill up to the light to see if, in fact, it was valid, if it was not counterfeit. And uh, they would hold it up to a special light. Uh, testing it make, is to make sure that it's genuine. And he was saying that during a time when the Philippines were not using that special light to determine the genuineness of the dollar bills, the bank tellers would just hold the dollars close to the light and then examine the pictures that were printed on the dollar bills. He said, I was so curious uh, what the teller was doing and I asked him uh, how, to know, how they know that the dollar is genuine by looking at it. He told me that if the hair of the picture of a man on the dollar bill is not combed properly, the dollar is fake. He could tell by identifying counterfeit because on the real genuine, it was combed a certain way. We're called to test everything in scripture and to make sure the one thing that we are also called to accept is that the testing is for the spiritual impact of something and not just the validity of it for us in the physical world. Testing and temptations are always present and a reality of a broken world. And we know that. We know that, that when sin came into the world through Adam and Eve and the original sin, we know that it introduced something that could could not be taken back away. We know the, the challenge of, that that provided for all of humankind until the Lord returns, until we're all called home. And so uh, it's something that we won't get away with, uh, with and do without. But what does that mean? Is it always a bad thing? What is the value of it? It can be understood as being something that we don't like, just with as much as I don't like tests, you come to accept the fact that every day is a test. When you're going to get up, what time you're going to be ready for something, whether you have something prepared. Have you done the tasks that are expected of you for the day? Have you applied the word of God to a certain situation that comes up? Have you spent time praying for it? Have you worked at responding to the test with God's word? 
we, we also sometimes think that that there are there is nothing good about these tests. That they all are designed to just simply keep us from doing evil. And that's not always the case. In fact, the testing is a reality we won't get away from, but it is also an opportunity for us to gain strength. It's an opportunity to test our commitment, our discipline, our patience, our respectfulness, our determination. It gives us an opportunity to examine how dedicated we are to a particular goal, how honest we are, and our versatility. C.S. Lewis made these insightful observations about temptations. He said, quote, No man knows how bad he is until he has tried very hard to be good. A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. That is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. So a a question that we can ask is, where does temptation come from? Now I know what you're going to say. Uh, and we, we know this from, the, sorry, this is, a, this is an age-appropriate kind of reference for you younger ones. You can punch that up on your devices and, uh, and find it out. But, uh, but Flip Wilson, you remember the comedian Flip Wilson? He used to always say when he would do something or suggest that he would do something bad, the devil made me do it. And we, we get off the hook on that. Well, it wasn't me. Somebody else made me do that. It wasn't I'm not responsible. The devil made me do it. And so we have this idea that temptation always comes from outside. Let's challenge that a bit this morning. Temptation means to be tempted and tested uh, it, it can mean that you're, to, you're drawn to something that you should not do or challenged uh, by a, a different idea that may or may not be a godly idea. But we, we, um, we oftentimes don't take time to test that. Uh, we must pray, lead us not into temptation from the Lord's Prayer, but deliver us from evil. And so the call to live faithfully is a call to clearly respond. But there are some others like James who suggest that temptation does not necessarily come from outside, but comes from within. And let's look at what he says about that. In James 1.13, Let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. He goes on to say here, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Uh, and when lust can, can be conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. In other words, 
what James is saying here is that what, what the te- where the tempting comes from is not just external, it's that there is no issue for, for temptation depending on what comes from within. And that was the interesting thing. And today we share communion. Jesus goes to the cross and, and, and he, it's his, the end of his life. The passage that was read this morning was the beginning of his ministry. And, and at communion, we celebrate the ending. And we see that he has been consistent all the way through and saying, look, there is no temptation when I am making a commitment and a discernment and a, a, a choice every situation I'm in to live according to God's will. So in other words, the real challenge and goal for, for us in, in dealing with testing and temptation is to have an internal framework that is not only ready for it, but is determined enough to respond in a godly way. That's what Jesus did. That's what made him unique. Above any other human being, Jesus chose again and again and again to be faithful. And so uh, we need to understand that um, as Satan is giving these, quote, temptations to Jesus, notice that he answers them. And if you notice in this passage, there were three temptations that were given. His answer to every one of those temptations was a reference to scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. And so his answer to Satan was always God's word, God's word, God's word. It was very, very clear. Uh, he answers that. Paul, Paul said that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, powers, rulers of this world, and spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms. Most of our spiritual struggle is in our mind and in our heart. That's the point that's important here. Temptation means nothing unless we allow it to come from within and we are in a place where we open the door to saying yes to something that we know is not right. Um, In an article written by Thomas Terrenson on temptation and testing, he says, the world increasingly ignores, laughs at, or even mocks the idea of sin altogether. And today many Christians don't take it seriously either. But God takes sin very seriously. We either obey God, he said, or disobey him. There is no other option. And he holds us accountable for our choices. And we make our choices and then our choices end up making us. He said... Those choices put us on one of two roads through life. The easy way that leads to destruction or the hard way that leads to life. So passing tests and overcoming temptations are a significant means of growth for a life. In other words, there can be a positive purpose to facing temptations. Um, Because we can act in obedience, a, a test is a situation that God sends or allows uh, allows for us in our life with the intention of revealing our loyalties, 
motivations, character, and to grow in our commitment to walk in God's way and to help purify, strengthen, and mature us. So God ordains tests, even though he doesn't tempt us with evil ever. But first, it reveals what is in our hearts already in how we respond. Secondly, it, it helps us grow in grace because we recognize that we can't attain perfection as Jesus did in the same perfect way. We have all failed and we've all been broken. And I'll tell you, if there would be one healing that I would wish for the world would be for those who desire in their hearts to be faithful to God, to truly receive the full experience of being forgiven. How many of you have ever, and you please don't raise your hand, but I will just say I have, I'm sure most of us have, experienced something that you wish you would have done differently. And every time you think about it, you beat yourself up over, with, uh, over and over again with that thought that you had failed. And at what point, I mean, of all of the points, if there's any service ever of the year, that when we take communion, we take communion for, on the basis of remembering not just what Christ did for us, but what he accomplished for us and, and what he was, enabled us to be able to step into grace and to step into forgiveness and to move on in a, in a way that we truly can start again and experience the feeling of being made whole there'd be one thing that we would pray for people. In the last three, four years, depression rates, suicide rates have skyrocketed far more than they were four or five years ago. It's depressing. There's brokenness. People are hurting all around us. And we as a church are called to be a people that want to say again and again to those who are broken by the weight of sin, there is healing, there is hope, there is restoration, there is a new beginning waiting for you. And if we don't embrace that and, and carry that message, we really don't have a reason to exist as Christians. It's a name only. And we're really called to carry that hope and that encouragement. We're also called to use testing to advance God's purposes and to bring glory in the world. God's intention was always that we emerge from the testing victorious and spiritually stronger. And so uh, we continue to look at that. Um, in James, um, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? There's our battle. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So how does testing impact our faith and our spiritual life? 
Testing challenges us to rethink perspectives. To stop and count what is really important to us. What is the most important to us? And so we sift and we sort and we rate and we and it causes us and challenges us to, to be honest about where we're at. It expands our ability to love. Now, we don't like that. God places people in our lives sometimes that we just frankly don't like. I don't like this about you. I don't like that about you. And we would rather just avoid that altogether. And every time we avoid it, we're avoiding growth. We're avoiding victory. We're avoiding making Christ incarnate through us. Testing teaches us that God is able. And it pushes us to refocus our hearts and our minds. It strengthens us in our trust that God will be providing. It teaches us for, and prepares us for future challenges. And it helps us know how to help others. Most of the time that people have been through major trauma and crisis, they have an ability to be able to care for others when they're going through it. Why? Not because they're experts or counselors or have degrees, but because they've been there. They know. They can identify with the person's pain, struggle, hurt, etc. And so God is always trying to shape our lives, who we are and what we will become, and to shape the direction and purpose of our lives by the testing that we go through. So tried and true, that phrase really comes as an expression of something being proved to be good, something that is known to be worthy, someone like Jesus, who through all of it was faithful to the Father and was obedient to the Father and who obviously in the face of his largest trial and temptations was relying upon God's word. The, uh, the passage, a passage from Proverbs chapter two says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to, under, to understanding, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, you get the idea it's something I desire, I want, I need. There's an urgency to it. If, If you're at that place of saying, I need you, God. If you look for it in this way, then it says in verse five, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge Find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom, his mouth gives knowledge and understanding. And that's one way to think of it. We get ourselves out of the way and let God take the place within us, within our hearts, within our minds. So how did Christ show us victory over testing 
and temptation. His first one was, in a 40-day fast, bread sounds pretty good, right? If you haven't eaten for a while and you're very hungry, and uh, the tempter comes and says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. Now, there's different challenges in this. I want you to, to call on your God to, to provide food for you in the middle of this place. And Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is what he's referring to. And it is a word over pleasure and consumption. That whole idea, and you will notice a parallel in all three of these to the, to the three elements of how Adam and Eve failed in their test with the eating from the tree of knowledge. That, that basically uh, there's a parallel to these three themes, pleasure, consumption. And that's something that we, isn't just a, a dietary issue for us. We often have to consume data. We have to consume products that, that will enhance our lives. Uh, we have to have the best of the best. We, we get caught up, and when something isn't working, we get annoyed and we get angry, and we will often treat, repair people. Uh, as if our demand is, you got to get that fixed right now. I, you know, I'm paying you so much money. And we get caught up in the consumption of it. Secondly, uh, he says, to cast himself down or throw himself down from this highest point of the temple. And of course, Satan always with his half lies says, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not even strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus says, do not put the Lord God to your test, to the test. In other words, it's the privilege and prestige that he is the son of God and because of that he can do anything he wants and God will rescue him. He's so important and so powerful and, and we get caught up into that in realistic ways of thinking, well, they didn't give me this, or they didn't do this, or it wasn't the way I wanted it, or this wasn't, and I just read an article this week of, a, of an actress that asked for their breakfast to be sent back four times to the chef to be redone, because this wasn't right. And by the fourth time, they actually changed the order it wasn't even how the food was prepared. It was they actually changed the order. And it's like, I mean, look, you say that sounds ridiculous. Come on, people. That's every single one of us. We, we want things the way we want it, when we want it, how we want it. But not Jesus. Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, from Deuteronomy. And then on the third one, he was taken to a high mountain. 
showed him all the kingdoms of, of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, as if it was his to give. And if, if you will only bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, away from me, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In other words, the worship of God, the word of God in the first test, the will of God in the second test, and the worship of God in the third test. See that pattern? Are we willing to dwell in the word? Are we willing to seek the will of God? And are we willing to worship God only? Nothing else, nothing more, but worshiping God. And that is the way that we overcome the tendency to be people of our own personal power. Jesus responds to each one of these with an answer from God's word. In 2 Timothy, in Paul's final, in a final charge to Timothy, it says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Do we believe that? Do we actually live that out that way, understanding that, that there is something in God's word for everyone and, and that we're called to hide God's word in our hearts as the greatest weapon we have to fight temptations and to fight testing. And so basically, when we look at testing, Jesus was tested, but his answer to the testing was from within in dwelling in the word. And he was tried and true. And testing and temptations are the turning points for growth and overcoming the world, which he did. And you'll notice that there's a reason that in Galatians 5.22 and 23, you have the list that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Such, against such there is no law. These all come from within us, within our hearts. It comes from the desire of our hearts, the determination of our minds, and the choice of our will to act. It's not shaped by circumstances. It's shaped by what's going on within us. I believe that we are called to live according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We know that Suffering and per persecution over and over again in scripture causes us to grow. So think about it the next time that you stub your toe. The next time that somebody got your order wrong. I mean, 
I'm as aggravated as you are when I get home from a drive-through meal and it's the wrong thing in there. It happened a couple weeks ago and I was not happy. And I should have heard this message coming back then to say, so what? I have peace. I have at least something to eat. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be aggravated. But the point isn't your aggravation. The point is how are you going to respond to it? That's what God is calling for. He wants genuine people that are real enough to acknowledge that we don't like things. But so what? We are saved for eternity. We don't like what somebody did or what somebody said. It hurts. So what? It hurt Jesus too. That suffering is something that we can choose every single time how to respond to. And that's not to be critical of the frustration that comes out, but direct the frustration from within, from a heart that is bent on glorifying God in the choice I make to respond to it. And this is not a, 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 a kind of criticism of anyone who is being assertive. That's not the point. The point is, let's recognize where my peace comes from. Where God gives me a contentment to live by. And so... Um, when the word of God is transforming us, we will have victory. And I would rather have victory than the right sandwich. I would rather have the victory of the cross and the empty tomb over having the right side order. I would rather, and you fill in the blank, would you rather, because Christ was tried and true. He was tried literally in courts. He was tried by a painful execution. But he was true to the very end. But Father, not my will, but yours be done. That's an amazing thing. In 1555, as part of a campaign to reestablish the Catholic Church alone in England, the Queen Mary, also known as Bloody Mary, arranged for John Philpot, one of the leading Protestant ministers of the day, to be burned at the stake. When I was in seminary, I met a descent, direct descendant to this John Philpot uh, in his his. Last name was Phil Pot, and he had been connected with the lineage all the way through. And this John Philpot was given a death sentence. And he said, I am ready. God grant me strength and a joyful resurrection. And he walked to the place of the execution on his own, rather than having to be dragged to it. And when he reached it, he knelt down and kissed the stake at which he would be burned. Wow. It's easy for us to focus on our problems and think that they are larger than they really are. 
Most of us have never endured that kind of persecution and probably never will. But the reality is that we are called to stand firm for what is right and good and pure and true. And let us not lower our standard, but hold the model of Christ going to the cross as ours. I'll close with this. Oswald Chambers said this in a very simple way. I should have just quoted this and been done with the sermon. He said, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. And I love that image because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, even if he will not save us, yet we will not bow down to anyone but God. May we have the courage to face all the tests and tribulations, struggles, persecution even, all of the, the, the temptations that we face with such a strong determination that we will not bow down to any others. Amen. And in that same vein, we're going to sing in Christ alone. What a wonderful song for us to sing in preparation for communion.